All right, open your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Jonah. book of Jonah in chapter 1. I'm going to start off this morning just by reading a few verses here in Jonah chapter 1. And the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down unto it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let's open up this morning in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you now once more just for another new day. A new day, Lord, to come together as a church family Brothers and sisters, in your name, Lord, just to worship you, Lord, to offer praise and glory to you, and to um, hear from your word this morning, God. I pray you just open our hearts and our ears and cleanse our minds, Lord, and cleanse our thoughts. Help us, Lord, just to listen to your word and let it sink in so that we can meditate on it, Lord, and allow the Holy Spirit to work within us so that your word can change us, Lord, and help us to grow and strengthen us and improve us, Lord God. Teach us some new things this morning, and... um, Keep Satan far from here, Lord, and just um, keep us safe in your word and safe in your presence, God. And we thank you that we're two or more gathered in your name, dear you are in the midst of us. Lord, just bless the morning now, bless the preaching of your word, and we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we're going to look at some things from Jonah. Now, Jonah's a one of the books that I've been studying a lot over the last year or so. Um, it's just one of the books that's always um, spoke to me, reached out to me, um, probably because I, I share a lot of characteristics and attributes with Jonah, some, um, some admirable and a lot less so. Um, but Jonah, you know, it only has four chapters. It's a short book. It's a short um, piece of scripture compared to some of the other books, but I've, I've always found that Jonah contains a lot of practical, everyday truths and applications that apply to the Christian life today, if we would just read it, study it, understand it, and try to learn from it. Um, so Jonah, being one of God's prophets, one of God's called prophets, um, Jonah had some tasks, he had some jobs to do from God, and we're going to learn this morning just how Jonah responded to those commands and, and calls upon his life and the charge that God laid before them. And this morning, you know, what I want us to take away from Jonah more than anything else is I want, I want us to look and see how Jonah responded to God's plan and God's will for his life, how he reacted when he had discovered that plan for his life, um, and what were the outcomes from his 
subsequent decisions. So in verse verses 1 and 2, in Jonah, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. So this morning, I first want to look at Jonah's call. Jonah's call. See here, the Bible says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah. You see, God at often times would have came to um, many people in the Old Testament and either appeared to him in a vision or um, sent one of his angels, sent another prophet. But in this case, God had literally spoken to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to him and gave him a commandment. It gave him a call or a charge on Jonah's life. You see, Jonah was commanded by God to go to Nineveh. That was his purpose. That was God's plan and God's will for Jonah's life. Jonah's very reason for being was so that he could go to Nineveh, that he could go to this wicked city, this great city before God, and declare the truth of God um, to, to the Ninevites, to the people at Nineveh. That was God's purpose and will for Jonah's life. This was his call. This was his calling. You know, we often, you know, we hear missionaries and we hear different preachers talking about a call in our lives or, a, you know, we've been called into the mission field or called to preach. Well, this is what Jonah's call was. Jonah was called to be a missionary. Jonah was called to be a preacher of righteousness to this nation, to this wicked and great city of Nineveh. That was Jonah's call. That was, his, that was God's plan and purpose and will for Jonah's life. You see, God came to Jonah through his word. Oftentimes, we're, you know, I found myself sitting down wondering, you know, what is it that you want me to do, God? You know, what is it that you want me to do? You know, what, what is your plan for my life? What's your will for my life? And although I don't know the entire plan, God doesn't reveal his entire plan in one go normally. He reveals things bit by bit, and as we take each step, he reveals more. But where, where I have to look for the start, to find the start of that plan for God's life, is in God's word. You see, God gave us his word, just like God gave, just like God had spoken to Jonah through his word. And it's through his word that we find out where God's will and plan for our life is. We might know the end destination, but we know the first things that God wants us to do. And just like Jonah, we too have calls and commands on our lives. Now, I want you to notice here that when God called Jonah and God gave him a commandment, Okay, God did not suggest something for Jonah's life. God did not suggest that Jonah um, should go to Nineveh if he would like to or if he would feel like it. God commanded Jonah to go. And we, you know, we can look through the Bible. If you do any word search in the Bible, whether it be online or the internet or any Bible software tool, you know, you can search for specific words. And if you search for words like command or commanded or commandment, you would find a lot of those. But, you know, if you search for suggestion or suggest or suggested, you won't find any of those, right? They're not there. Now, that's obviously there for a reason, right? Every word in the King James Bible is there for a reason. Clearly, God does not deal with suggestions. He deals with commandments. And I think that's the first part of um, Jonah's downfall here, is I think Jonah, at one stage in his life, 
you know, leading up to this point, for whatever reason, decided that this time, this was not a commandment of God, and he was thinking it was more like a suggestion, you know. And um, maybe Jonah viewed it like that and said, maybe it's not so important, but clearly it was. This was a commandment from God. You know, we, you know, we hear all the time um, certain scriptures being quoted, and one of them is John fourteen fifteen, where Jesus himself said, if ye love me, keep my commandments. This was Jesus' own words. And again, he repeats the same thing almost in John 15, 10, when he says, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Okay? Jesus is telling us that if we love him, we should keep his commandments. If we really love him, we'll keep them. It's not easy. It's not, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not going to be straightforward all the time. But clearly he says that if you love me, then that love alone should be enough of a motivator, enough of a fuel to make sure that you keep my commandments, or at the very least have a desire to keep his commandments. You know, we're all still sinners. You know, if we've been born again, we're just a sinner saved by grace. We still have that human flesh that 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 frailty that 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 nature to just want to do our own thing we still have that but we're commanded to put that off we're supposed to put off the old man we're supposed to be new creatures in christ so if we really love god we should keep his commandments and look at what jesus said there in john fifteen ten. he said even as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love you know when you, when you think about that what is jesus saying what commandments did Jesus have from his own father? Well, it was to go to the cross, wasn't it? It was to offer himself a sacrifice for many, to spill his blood, to shed his blood, and to, to take the beatings and the, and the mockings and the spitting and the railings and his very clothes being ripped off him. There were God's commandments for Jesus' life. And Jesus kept his father's commandments because he loved God. He loved his father. And you see, that's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. He was trying to teach the people there that if ye keep my commandments, ye shall stay in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments, even, of, even as I have obeyed God and abide in his love. You see, it's, a, it's, it, it's like a, an interconnected piece of the Christian life. You know, if we, if we want to abide and stay in God's love, we clearly need to be keeping close to God and keeping obeying and doing his commandments the minute we stop obeying him and start disobeying him and getting and getting away from from his commandments we're gradually bit by bit getting away from god's love because god's love comes directly tied with what he wants for our lives his commandments god said we must be born again that's a part of god's love you know he did the hard work by going to the cross but we still have to do some things we still have to choose to want to be born again you know, we have to choose to follow God. We have to choose to obey Him. You see, we need to choose to stay in God's love by keeping His commandments. We need to stay close and follow God. And this is something that Jonah clearly neglected to do. He was called and he disobeyed. You know, as I said, perhaps he viewed it as a suggestion. Who knows? I think Jonah would have known enough about God at this point in his life to know that God doesn't suggest he commands. So this was pure and utter rebellion on Jonah's part. Um, you know, he was called and he, he, he didn't live up and answer that call. You know, and Christians need to start obeying the commandments of God. You know, when I look at this, the reason I can associate myself to Jonah more so than, than you know, the great people of the Bible like the Apostle Paul or, 
or Daniel or even Joseph who probably never never stepped out of place, did anything wrong. You know, if you were to look at Joseph's life, Joseph was constantly keeping God's commandments. He was constantly doing what God wanted him to do. He, he, he went where God told him to go, even though the places that God was putting him in weren't that pleasant. He didn't put up a fight and he just went with it. He always, he always, um, you know, fought against the world and fought against the things and the circumstances that came into his life just to stay close to God. You know, we need to be a bit more like Joseph and less so like Jonah because, you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves, when I'm honest with myself and I look at this, there's a lot of Jonah that's in me. You know, every time that God tells me to do something, I would love to say that I go, yes, here I am, send me. You know, like Samuel, not as good as Samuel. You know, there's certain things that don't float my boat. You know, and it doesn't appeal to my flesh and it doesn't appeal to my purpose and my plan for my life. Um, but God's plan and purpose is different and we need to be, you know, looking to follow his plan and purpose and less so our own. But you see here, Jonah had a call on his life and Jonah um, didn't answer that call. In fact, we see not only did Jonah have a call, but we also see Jonah's refusal Jonah's refusal. Look there in verse 3. Verse 3, it says, But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fear of fear thereof, and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So we can see here Jonah's refusal you know, sometimes, you know, the words that we pay very little importance to and that we view as insignificant are often the smallest words in the Bible, the ifs and the buts. You know, whenever you see if and but, it means you need to read it again and see what it's talking about. It means there's a condition or it means that something didn't go exactly um, to plan. You know, when the Bible says if, we need to view what that condition is. You know, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. It's not a, it's, there's a, there's a condition there. If you're in Christ, you'll be a new creature. If you're not in Christ, you won't be a new creature. And it's the same with, it's the same with but. You know, notice, notice the but. Then there was a but. You know, in, in Jonah's life, wouldn't it be great for us to be reading about Jonah after verse 2, when God said, Arise and go to Nineveh, and he gave Jonah that commandment, wouldn't it be great for us to be reading about Jonah this morning, and it said, Jonah rose up the fleet to Nineveh. You know? Wouldn't you think that Jonah is sitting in heaven right now thinking, you know, maybe I should have answered God the first time. Maybe his word would say something a bit different about my life then. And how many of us, including myself, are in that exact same position? that are in the exact same place where at the end of our lives, when we've got, you know, writings about us and God's books and we've got eulogies, you know, what, what's it going to say about us when God gave us the commandments, you know, go, preach and teach, you know, every creature and all the nations, what's God's going to say about us? Is it going to say that we rose up and did what he told him, that, that, he, that he told us to do? Or is it going to say, but, but, Graham fleed from God's will for his life. You know, we need to um, be careful that we're not falling into the same 
places Jonah here in that we're just refusing God's commandments. You know, this is not a case of Jonah not knowing what God wanted him to do or not having a clear um, outline and, and commandment from God. God told him pretty clearly and pretty easily, just go here. Go here and preach my truth to them. This was plain as day for Jonah, and yet he plain as day refused God. Jonah disobeyed God and tries to run away. That's what he's doing here. He's trying to actually run away from God. He even pays to try and get away from God. And when you look at this, or when I look at this, I constantly, what keeps coming into my mind is, what was Jonah thinking? Here he is, here's a man who is supposed to know that this is the creator of the universe, that this is the um, omnipresent, omnipresent God who is everywhere. He is in all things and by, by him all things consist. Jonah should know this. Jonah should have been aware of this fact. He was a prophet by God called to him. I'm sure he would have known perfectly clear about the power of God. And yet here in Jonah's mind, for whatever reason, at this moment in time, he seemed fit and taught that he was able to run away from God. That he was able to just simply get on a boat and go the opposite direction and, you know, it's fine. God won't come after me. God won't worry about me. You know, I just won't do what he wants me to do and I'll get on and live my life. Um, but we, we clearly see that, you know, when, when, when we start running away from God, it's kind of pretty pointless. You know, where, where do we think that we can go that God can't find us? You know, isn't, isn't that what Adam was doing in the garden? after he disobeyed God, and God came walking, literally walking through the garden, and saying, Adam, where are you? What was Adam doing? Adam was trying to hide from God. You know, he was probably in some bushes somewhere, thinking that God won't find me. But, you know, God created the bush, and he created Adam. And, you know, it doesn't matter what boats that we try to put ourselves on and try to escape from God's will in our lives, God will always find us. God will always seek us out. You know, look what it says there in Psalms 44, 21. Turn, keep, keep your um, marker in Jonah. But if you quickly turn to Psalms 44, 21. Let's see what it says here. Look at what the psalmist says. Psalms 44, 21. Shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. The psalmist is clearly asking the question here. Will God not search this out? Of course he will. He knows the secrets of the heart. Look what it says in Psalms 90 verse 8. Psalms 90 verse 8. Let's see what the psalmist says here. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. Quite clearly here, I think the Bible is telling us that God knows all of our iniquities. God knows all of our failings. God knows all the disobedience and the disobeying of his commandments. He knows them all. There is nothing hid from God. You know, we cannot... Um, hide something from God. We cannot um, push something, you know, under the rug, so to speak. Isn't isn't that what we do sometimes with the dirt? You know, we kind of lift up the rug and shove it in. No one will see it, right? God isn't like that. God sees everything. He knows the secret sins. 
Everything is set before him. It's like laid out like cards on a table. There is nothing not known to God. You know, and if, 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 if we continue going down the road of thinking that we can just simply go the opposite way to where God wants us to go and we'll be fine, um, you know, we're going to learn from Jonah this morning that that's not the case. That is not the case. God always knows the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. God always knows where our love truly is. You know, that's why he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's the same when Jesus was talking about the treasures, you know, laying not treasures up for yourself here, but lay them up for, put, you know, laid up the treasures in heaven because, you know, where our love is, you know, that's, that's where our treasures are. You know, what we love is what we're going to chase after, is what we're going to pursue after. Quite clearly, Jonah did not love the Ninevites. You know, and he probably had good reasons for them. The Ninevites were a wicked people. That's why God used the word wicked here. They were wicked. They were not godly people. They were doing things that we would find appalling. Okay, we see things on the news and things on the TV today, and even though what we see is a very, um, uh, you know, um, edited versions, we, we don't see the full um, uh, evil that takes place in the world. But even the stuff we see today, and the stuff that we probably don't see today, there's nothing. Nineveh was wicked. You know, God quite God clearly said they were wicked, just like Sodom and Gomorrah. They were wicked, so they were evil. What is there to like about Nineveh and evilness and wickedness? God doesn't like evilness or wickedness. But one thing we know from the entire book is that God loves souls. Okay, God still loved the Ninevites as people okay as humans that he created in the image of himself okay they were away from god they were not following god they were living contrary to the way he would like us to live but it doesn't change the fact that the ninevites were still souls and that's why he wanted jonah to go to them to declare and preach his truth unto them but jonah refused jonah disobeyed god and tried to run away what was he thinking you know when we refuse to obey god we are choosing to be a fool. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he that hearkeneth unto the counsel is wise. You know, the Bible also says that, you know, he who believes there's no God is a fool, but, you know, there's lots of ways, according to the Bible, that we can become a fool. And one of them is thinking that the way that's right in our eyes, the path that we think is right, um, you know, when we hearken unto our own um, plan and roadmap, we're being foolish. You know, God has a plan, God has a roadmap for our lives, and that's the, the direction that we should be following. We should always be checking and making sure that the paths that we're on are the paths that God wants us to be on. And when God gives us a call, we need to make sure that we're not being like Jonah and refusing that call. You know, we need to make sure that we're choosing to obey God as opposed to choosing to disobey Him. Because when we choose to disobey him, we are becoming a fool. Fools disobey God. Okay? If you want to define the definition of foolish, it's the person who disobeys God. It's a foolish thing to disobey the almighty and powerful God, the creator of the universe. So not only do we see Jonah's call, we see Jonah's refusal, but then let's look at the next few verses in chapter 1 of Jonah here, and we'll see Jonah's consequential outcome. Verse 4 in Jonah says, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. 
Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship unto the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay and was fast asleep. Clearly Jonah didn't mind too much about what was going on around him. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so, be that God will think upon us that we perish not. All of the men on the boat at this point were afraid and they were praying to their own individual gods. Um, wherever they came from, different nations, you know, they were praying to their false idols, hoping to save them because they were afraid. And they were also trying to get Jonah to pray to their God, to his God, just in case that his God was the right God and that his God um, would actually have favor on them. And isn't that what everyone does around us today? We all, you know, the world prays to their own individual gods, hoping for the miracle instead of praying to the actual one true God. And in verse 7, And they said, Every one to his fellow, Come and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which had made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. You would think that if Jonah really feared the Lord God of heaven, he would have just obeyed him the first time round. You know, it's a question I always have in my mind is, how can he fear God and still disobey him? You know, obviously his fear or his respect for God wasn't in the forefront of his brain at the time he's making those decisions. In verse 11, Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wroth and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Look, look at the words that Jonah is saying here. Jonah is choosing to suffer death and to be, and to be thrown overboard into the sea as opposed to actually going and doing what God wanted him to do. You know, you would have to really, really despise God's will for your life to want to choose death over just simply doing what God wanted to do. Um, but nevertheless, that's where Jonah finds himself at this time. And let's read on in verse, 12, or verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done it as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So here again, we see the very first word in the start of verse 4, but, you know, there's your important small word again. First we saw in verse 3, but Jonah rose up and decided to not follow God and to disobey God. But you know, in our minds we kind of think, well, it's okay to disobey God and get on the ship and go the opposite way. 
but God interjects. And again, we see here the second but. You know, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. Quite clearly, God wasn't willing to accept Jonah's disobedience. Okay, he wasn't willing to just let it slide. God still had a plan and a purpose for Jonah's life. And whether Jonah wanted to or not, he was going to do God's plan and will for his life. Of course, it would have been easier if Jonah just accepted the first time around, um, you know, which is the same like most of us, I think. Is, you know, I, I often find looking at myself at clear times when I know that God has taught me to do something and I can clearly see that I have not done it. And, you know, there's always consequences for that. Okay, there's always, there's always a reaction. You know, it's a physical law that God created for every, for every, ca- for every um, cause. There's an effect for every action. There's an opposite and equal reaction. And it's the same thing here. When we disobey God, there is going to be an equal reaction on God's part. God is not going to allow us to slide. Okay? God might allow the rest of the world that's not following him to go about their business. And if they choose to, if they choose to disobey him and reject Jesus Christ, then that's on them. But for the Christian, we've got clear commandments for God. We're bought with a price. We're supposed to be following and obeying him. We're supposed to actually love him so much that we actually want to do what he says. You know, and that's, again, the same question. He's back down to, where's our love? Do we love him? You know, um, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. But you can see here that God clearly was not happy and going to tolerate Jonah's rebellion. You know, if there's one thing I've learned from Jonah is that God ain't got time for rebels. Okay, God does not have time for rebels. You know, and that's what we all were when we were going in our own ways and down the miry clay. God doesn't have time for that. You know, God gives us a commandment and he expects us to do it. And if we don't do it, you know, there will be consequences for disobeying him. Turn quickly to Galatians chapter 6 and we'll see some hard and true physical laws that God put into effect. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a physical law that God has instituted. You know, when people work hard and, and you know, people working in the land, farmers work hard, you know, they, they're diligent in their efforts, they, um, you know, they pour enough seeds, they plant the right crops, they, they tend the soil, they plow the field, they work at it, they, they mine it, they protect it, they feed it, you know, good nutrients or whatever. You know, God has clearly instituted a law that if they do all these things and they're, and they're, and they're working at it and they're, and they're doing it right, then the chances are that they will reap the benefits from that. You know, if they put in the work, then they'll reap the rewards if they're, if, if, if they're, um, being diligent in their efforts. But if they're not diligent in their efforts, then they won't reap the rewards. You know, if we're, if, 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 if farmers are being lazy, then they're not going to yield the crops, okay? They're not going to reap the, the benefits. Um, and here, from a spiritual sense, you know, God is saying that if we sow to the flesh, we shall of the flesh reap corruption. 
You know, if we if we're constantly focused on um, satisfying the flesh, satisfying our you know our own will and our own plans and our own desires, you know, feeding the flesh, um, feeding um, our own you know wills and purpose for our lives, then we shall reap the benefits of that. We shall reap what's going to come from that. You know, every time we make a decision, we're planting a seed. You know, the fruit of that seed might be good or bad. You know, the consequences of that um, planting might not be something that we actually want. Um, we need to be careful what it is that we're planting. We need to be careful where it is that we're placing our efforts and our dedication into. Um, you know, Jonah here, if he was walking in the spirit, you know, he wouldn't have fulfilled the lust of the flesh and he would have went and did what God asked him to do. But clearly he was sowing to his flesh. He was sowing to his own desires. And we're going to see um, from, you know, we saw here from the verses that God brought trouble into his life. God brought tribulation. Um, there was a consequence for Jonah's disobedience. He was reaping what he sowed. He was yielding the rewards or the fruit of his labor, which was his disobedience to God. And, you know, there will always be a consequence for disobeying God. You know, the consequences are rarely what we expect. You know, remember Moses when he struck the rock the second time instead of speaking to it like he was commanded to. You know, I'm pretty sure that Moses didn't for one moment had any expectation that at the time when he struck the rock, that afterwards he would then be forbidden to go into the promised land with Israel. That was God's will for Moses' life. See, Moses forfeited God's plan for his life to lead the people into Israel. That was to be handed over to Joshua now simply because of Moses' disobedience. But I don't think he expected that at the time when he struck the rock. You know, what about, what about Saul? You know, I remember a few months back when we were studying Saul, you know, we learned about his life and how, you know, he was, um, he was picked by God to be a king of Israel. You know, the, 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 the children of Israel wanted a king, they wanted to be like everyone else, and God gave in to them, and God gave them Saul. And, you know, at first it looked like Saul, you know, wanted to do the right thing and follow, you know, follow after God, but quickly we found out that Saul had his own ideas. Saul had his own plans that he wanted to follow. And when Saul disobeyed God by disobeying Samuel's commands and went off and did something that he wasn't supposed to do, there was a consequence for that. Right after that, God had made up in his mind that because of Saul's disobedience, Saul was not was no longer going to be king of Israel. This is when it was going to be handed over to David. It was at that moment of disobedience that Saul had forfeited God's plan and will and purpose for his life. Um, but again, I don't think Saul was thinking about the consequences of his decisions when he made that decision. Um, what about David? David, a, a man after God's own heart. You know, David was the king of Israel in, in Saul's place. David was was the man that was supposed to lead Israel, um, protect them, guide them, um, fight for them, build them up, um, help, them to, help them to prosper, to get wealthy. You know, God had given David many great things, a palace, riches, power. Um, and, you know, David, through a lot of his younger life, was someone that was very close to God. He spent a lot of time with God. He knew what God wanted. He did what God wanted to do. But yet, like everyone, like most men, um, there came a point where David decided that it was best to follow his own wills and desires as opposed to God's. And again, when David was looking at Bathsheba on the, the roof there, you know, I don't think that David honestly had 
an expectation of the consequences that were going to come from that decision. You know, of course, he probably knew about the physical consequences of um, his meeting with Bathsheba. Of course, he was thinking about that. That was his driving force. But what about the consequences from that? You know, I don't think when he was making that decision in his head that at that point he was already thinking as well about having um, the husband killed. I don't think that was going through his head. But nonetheless, that was a consequence of his decision. Or what about later in life, his own children began to hate him and come after him. These were all consequences of that one decision of disobeying God. You know, God says that he will visit the iniquities onto the children, onto the third and fourth generation. You know, when David had a lot of strife and trouble and problems in his life he, after this, because of his disobedience to God at this moment in time when he went against God, there was always a consequence, there's always an outcome for our disobedience to God. But many of the times we, we don't think about the consequences. We certainly don't expect the consequences that we get. Um, you know, Jonah didn't expect to be swallowed up by a whale. You know, I don't think that was on Jonah's plan. Jonah's plan was to get on a boat and go to Tarshish. God had a different plan. God had a different consequence for Jonah's disobedience. And you know, we need to think and we, we need to think and reflect about the consequences of disobeying God. You know, we should be doing that. We don't do it often enough. You know, the the world, the Christians in the world, we seem to think and we seem to go through life thinking that it's okay to disobey God. We think that it's okay that just because we're saved and we're born again and we've got our 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 um, security, our eternal salvation secured in heaven, that it's okay to still go ahead and disobey God. You know, but God says that's wrong. You know, God says, um, you know, the, the, the Apostle Paul said to the, to the church in Corinth, um, you know, that, you know, we've got grace, but just because we've got grace, should we go ahead and sin anyway? No. God forbid, he said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's what Paul was saying. He was saying that just because we've got the get-out-jail-free card doesn't mean we still need to go ahead and continue to do the things that were putting us in jail in the first place. You know, we're supposed to be free from the bondage of sin, and we are free from the bondage of sin. It is ourselves that chooses to put the shackles back on. We need to make sure, unlike Jonah, that when we're given a commandment and we're given instruction by God, that we need to obey him. You know, we need to view the consequences. You know, we always need to own up to the consequences of our decisions. You know, there's, um, you know, there's many a there's many a person, um, you know, going through life with illnesses, um, you know, diseases or whatever. Um, you know, I remember when my grandfather um, was diagnosed with lung cancer. You know, he was diagnosed with lung cancer. He was smoking since he was 12 years old. You know, he lived to 66. Pretty good going, you know. But it was borrowed time. You know, when you're smoking several cigarettes a day, um, it's going to catch up. You know, that was a consequence of his decision. You know, and just because we're Christians, you know, if we decide to smoke or continue smoking, at some point that's going to reap its rewards on our life. You know, just because we're saved and going to heaven doesn't mean that God's going to allow us to smoke and not get lung cancer, you know. Just because we're saved and, you know, we can avoid the fires of hell doesn't mean that we can go through life and disobey God and not get burnt by the fires here. You see, God will still judge us. You know, God said judgment starts in the house of his house. It starts here first. God will judge us first before he judges the world. 
you know, he'll judge us. And we need to make sure that we're constantly striving to make sure that is our life in line with what God wants us to do? Are we obeying and keeping his commandments? If we, want, if we love him and we want to show and prove and demonstrate our love for him, like he has demonstrated and showed his love for us, we need to keep his commandments. And we need to be always mindful of the consequences. Look there in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. Jonah chapter 2. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Thou hast, for thou hast cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my, and my prayer came unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. In chapter 2 here, we see Jonah's prayer. Jonah's prayer. After Jonah's rebellion and disobedience to God, and God stepping in and um, dealing with Jonah, and bringing a consequence for Jonah's disobedience and rebellion, by placing him into the belly of the whale, into that great fish. Here that we find that after three days and three nights of torment and pain and affliction, that Jonah finally cried out to God, that he finally prayed. Um, Jonah cried out to God and prays to free him from the pain and the affliction, the judgment of God, and also the separation of God. Okay, when, God, when, when Jonah was in here, he was separated from God. God was not talking to Jonah here. God was not fellowshipping with Jonah here. This was Jonah's punishment. It took him three days and three nights to get to the place where he was ready to um, come back to God. Um, you know, Jonah acknowledged his wrongdoing. Jonah repents and turns back to God. You know, Jonah is saved from the judgment and the wrath of God, but it was not the prayer that saved Jonah. Okay, it's very important that we look at this here, that Jonah prayed to God, but it wasn't his prayer, it wasn't the words he said that got him out of the whale. Okay, it was the fact that he humbled himself and that he had a repenting and a contrite spirit and attitude towards God that attains God, that attained God's grace. Psalms 34 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save it such as be of a contrite spirit when i look at this prayer from jonah you know you can obviously see the desperation of jonah at this point you know he's obviously suffering he's tormented he's in pain you know in the belly of the whale there would have been stomach acid that breaks down food and i'm sure he was doing a mighty good job breaking down jonah um you know this was sore this was painful um you know this is why god put it there 
And right throughout Israel's history, there was many times when Israel stepped out of line and, and disobeyed God, and same thing, God would hand them over to some pain, some judgment for a season, so that they too would, you know, through the season of torment and affliction, would learn to understand the errors of their ways and reach that same place where they too would have a humble and a broken heart and a contrite spirit and a repenting attitude towards God so that they too could come back to him and that he would um, receive them with open arms. You see, you know, when I look at this, um, it's very important um, to understand the difference between the words that Jonah was saying and the act of praying and the, and the act of asking something from God from the actual thoughts and intents of his heart. Okay, It was the fact that he was humble. It was the fact that he chose it himself to lower himself and to actually acknowledge that God was right and he was wrong. It was the fact that he was ready and willing to accept the fact that he deserved to be in that whale. He deserved this judgment and this punishment from God. He was not looking at this and wondering, why am I here? You know, what have I done to deserve this? He knew full well what he had done to deserve this. And he accepted this. And whether God had spat him out or not, um, or whether God commanded the, the, the whale to, to, to vomit him out or not, that didn't matter. He acknowledged the fact that he deserved to be there. He knew he'd done wrong. And he had that humble and broken and contrite spirit. That's what attained God's grace for Jonah. That's what um, enabled God to then command the whale to vomit him up on top of the beach. You see, Jonah had gotten right with God. And it's the same in our lives. It's the same with everyone. You know, um, we need to be serious with God in our hearts. We, need, we also need to have that humble and contrite spirit. When we do wrong against God, it's not the prayers that makes us right with God. Okay, It's not saying a few words or bending down on our knees or closing our eyes. It's the thoughts of the heart. You know, have we gotten ourselves right with God? Have we actually acknowledged our wrongdoings against Him? Or are we still going through our life thinking that, no, I was right, you know, I was right to go down that way and I was right in my decisions, God. If we hold that attitude and that, you know, prideful spirit, then we ain't going to receive God's grace, are we? You know, we're not going to, God's not going to be graceful to us in that situation. You know, God is looking for us. He's He's, he's longing for people to actually have that contrite spirit. You know, God clearly said there in his word that God is near. He's nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You know, there is no one in this world that, that, is, um, that, is, that is of a broken heart and a contrite spirit that will be far away from God. You know, they're the people that God is close to. They're the people that will be born again because they're, they've reached that point where they can humble themselves. And it's just important to see that it's not the prayer that saved Jonah from God's judgment at this time. It was his broken and contrite spirit. You know, there's many times I feel, you know, when I look around just in, in people's lives, in Christians' lives, you know, for whatever reason, they go off the wrong track. They start doing things their own way, start, you know, living their own life and running, you know, running away from God. And... Um, you know, sometimes I wonder, you know, are those people basing their life, their Christian life, and their internal security on the fact that they just prayed? You know, are they, are they basing on the fact that they just said a few words some day or some evening? Or was there a time in their lives when they humbled themselves, and they too had a contrite and broken spirit and acknowledged their wrongdoings before God and got right with God in their hearts, 
not in their words, but in their hearts. Did they make that decision themselves that, God, I was wrong. God, I sinned against you and against you only. Was there that time when they were born again? Because it's the contrite, broken spirit that enables us to be born again. You know, if we don't have that, then we're not being right with God. We're just saying words. And words are, words are cheap. You know, we, we need to make sure that were we serious with God? Did we acknowledge our sins before him? The holy creator and the just judge, did we acknowledge our failures before him? Because if we didn't, and we just, you know, thought it was okay to say a few words and think that that was good enough, then we're missing the point. It is not the words, it is not the prayer that saved us. It is the fact that we acknowledged our sins before him, that we were of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and that we were willing to get right with God. See, that's what we need in our lives, you know. Was there a time in your life that you too had that contrite and broken spirit? You need to examine yourselves, the Bible says. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Examine yourselves, was there a time where you had that contrite and broken spirit? Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't have that time in your life where you were serious with God. You know, the Bible says today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. If there was never a day in your life where you were serious with God in your heart and not just in words, um, praying, you know, in front of others or for the benefit of others um, or just to get that good feeling, you know, today is the day when we need to get right with God. You know, it was not the prayer that saved Jonah. It was his humble and his repenting and contrite spirit. And, you know, I would pray that if there's anyone here today um, that doesn't know for sure that they were ever right with God, that they ever had that contrite spirit, that they ever humbled themselves before a holy and just God. You know, I pray that today you get right with God. You don't need to pray out loud. You don't need to come to me or come to anyone here. You need to set listen in your heart. You know, this is a decision that you need to make before God because this is going to have the most important outcome in your life for all eternity. You know, you need to settle this now while there's time um, and before it's too late. Um, don't be relying on um, some words that you might have said or some um, you know, prayer that you might have prayed. Was there a time when you were serious with God? You know, Jonah got serious with God, and because of Jonah's seriousness with God here, this is what allowed God to spare Jonah. You know, if Jonah did not get right with God at this time, Jonah would have stayed in the whale. You know, Jonah wouldn't have came out. You know, Jonah had to get right with God. Jonah had to repent of his wrongdoing. He had to change his mind, change his attitude, and he had to come to God with that contrite and broken spirit in order to accept God's grace. And it's the same with everyone today. We need to come before God with a contrite and broken spirit and accept that grace that's freely given to us. So not only do we see Jonah's call and Jonah's refusal and the consequences of his refusal and then his his desperate and longing prayer once he got right, by, right, right with God to be saved from God's judgment. But, you know, we see Jonah's second chance in chapter 3. Just look there at the verse 1 in chapter 3. You know, we won't read the whole chapter, but just look at verse 1. See what the Bible says. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. 
there you have it, the small word again, with such big importance. So, Jonah arose. We see here Jonah's second chance. You know, despite Jonah's disobedience to God, despite Jonah's, you know, outright refusal on, on God's call and God's plan for his life, um, we see that God gave Jonah a second chance because he chose to get right with him because he got serious in the belly of the whale when he was at his lowest point and he was humble and he was broken and he was contrite because Jonah got right with God. God was gracious and gave him a second chance. Aren't you glad and thankful that God gives second chances? You know, wouldn't you know? Wouldn't it be an awful thing to, um, you know, to um, to not to to not have a God that's so loving and gracious towards us? You know, and some religions are like that. Their gods are not grace. They don't have their gods don't have grace. Um, their gods don't have mercy. Um, or one does. You know, thanks be to Him. But you know, second chances are not guaranteed. You know. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 27.1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. You see, God is great, is gracious, he is full of grace, and he is willing to give second chances and third chances and fourth chances to some people. You know, I'm, I, I always remember Kevin, Pastor Kevin O'Keefe um, telling me of the countless times he was in New York hearing the preaching God's word, and he can recall at least, you know, two times where he clearly felt God knocking on his heart, and he outright refused him at that time. And it wasn't until the third time that God knocked his heart that he was willing to get right with God. Aren't you glad that he gives second, third, and fourth chances? But they're not guaranteed, you know. Just because God is willing to give more chances doesn't mean he has to, okay. Um, it's not a promise of God to give second and third and fourth chances. This is this is purely by God's grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because Noah was willing to obey and listen and to get right with God. And it's the same with us. You know, we, you know, the world needs to not be living in a principle that God's going to give us second chances all the time. That He's just going to keep allowing us make mistakes and you know carry on um you know we we need to live we need to live with the mentality that we need to obey god the first time and not to expect a second chance you know god is gracious and he probably will give us a second chance but we shouldn't be living that way we shouldn't be assuming that god is going to be gracious towards us and allow us to just disobey him all the time and not have any consequences you know, as, 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 as I was saying earlier, there's always a consequence. And, you know, for the Christian, you know, the consequence isn't going to hell, thank God for that. But, you know, he might decide to, you know, change his plans for our life a little bit early than we want to. Um, you know, we might miss out on going into that promised land. We might miss out on, on, that, on that will for our lives that God had for us. You see, we shouldn't be assuming um, or presuming that God will just allow us to continue to disobey him and not reap the benefits or not not reap the rewards of that. You know, there will be a fruit of our labors and we need to live with the mentality and live with the thinking that Christians, we need to obey God the first time. You know, we need to obey God the first time and not expect the second chance to obey him at a later stage. You know, Jonah got that second chance. Jonah, when he got right with God, when God then commanded Jonah again to go to Nineveh, 
he went and he did what he was told to do. You know, Jonah had got that second chance. But we can't go through life living and thinking that we are just going to be afforded chance after chance just like Jonah did. You know, God did not have to give Jonah that second chance. You know, um, God could have said, Jonah, you disobeyed me the first time. Thank you for getting right with me, but I can't use you anymore. You know, I've got someone else now to go to Nineveh. And, um, you know, there's plenty, there's plenty of examples in the Bible of that, that, you know, God had forgiven them, but they were no longer of use to him in, in, in the same way that he originally planned for them. Moses had lost that initial plan for his life. Yeah, God forgave him, but also there was, a, there was a cost of his disobedience. There was a judgment. Moses didn't get that second chance. Moses forfeited that, that, um, that perfect will for his life. Moses was meant to be the man to bring Israel in to that promised land, but instead, instead that went over to Joshua. And we need to make sure that you know we're not living and going through our Christian life assuming that God's just going to give us chance after chance. You know, thank God and thank Thank him that he does give us second chances. But we can't be living with the expectation that he's going to give us those chances over and over again. We need to have in our minds, we never have it settled in our hearts that if God tells us to do something, we just need to do it the first time. You know, whether whether he'll forgive us and give us a second chance or not shouldn't come into our heads. We should be um, we should just be willing to obey him and accept him at his word, at his command. The minute he gives us an instruction, we should be willing to do it. You know, <coughs> we need to stop running away from what God has called us to do. You know, we need we need we need to stop being like Jonah. You know, we need to we need to be willing to just do what God wants us to do. You know, God has a special calling and a purpose for everyone here. You know, I don't know what it is, and even even you might know what it is yet. You mean, but he clearly told Jeremiah. Um, you know, in, in Jeremiah 1 5, it said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So before Jeremiah was even born, he was already a prophet unto the nations. That was God's will for Je- Jeremiah's life. Um, and God has a plan and a will and a special purpose for everyone here. You know, but perhaps there's a Nineveh in our lives. You know, perhaps there's, perhaps there's a just like Nineveh in Jonah's life where there was a direct commandment by God to Jonah and he was refusing to follow that commandment, refusing to obey that commandment, perhaps there too is a Nineveh in our lives. What is that Nineveh? What is that thing that God is asking us to do and commanding us to do, but we're running away from it? You know, we need to examine ourselves. We need to look and see, is there Nineveh in our lives? Is there, is there a commandment that we know that God has given to us and yet we're running away from it, just like Jonah. We're looking for the boat. You know, we're looking for the boat to keep running away, to flee from God's presence, because we just don't want to do it. You know, either we don't like it, or we just don't want to do it now. You know, I have an awful habit, and Gina will tell you this, that when I'm asked to do something, I'll go, yeah, I'll do it, you know, when I want to, when I feel like it. And it will get done eventually, maybe, but it could be a long time, you know. Um, we should just do it when we're told. You know, we should just do it when we're told. You know, if we want to fulfill God's will and plan for our life, we need to stop running away from God and his will for our lives like Jonah did. And instead, we need to be like Samuel. What did Samuel say when he was called? He said, here am I. Send me. Let's pray.